The Jays combined for 68 points, Al Horford perfect from the field, and just generally a well-balanced performance from the Celtics. It's all too much for the Dallas Mavericks, but how does this impact the MVP conversation? Plus, a Celtics role player luxury draft because we're big nerds. All of that next on First to the Floor. Who is going to be first to the floor here? And it was Marcus Smart as he usually is. That's not the first time we've seen a superstar in green and white sacrifice my body. Hey, hey, welcome into another episode of First to the Floor. Ben Vallis here. Thank you for joining us. Hope you're doing well. The Celtics disposed of the Dallas Mavericks, 125 to 112, led by the best duo in the league, Tatum and Brown. Joining me to talk all about it, Jake Eisenberg. Jake, how you doing, man? Mate, I'm good. I'm good. It's Friday morning. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody in, uh, in America. But yeah, riding high off. An incredible statement win for the Celtics. They inspired me to get a big dub in men's league last night. Nice. Win streak two in a row. <laughs> Best defense in the league on Thursday nights in D4. Um, yeah, man. Feeling good. How are you, mate? Hell yeah, I'm good. That's great. Great to hear that there's real life tangible benefits of the Celtics playing yes. as well uh, as they are. That's great. And you, like you mentioned, it was a statement win. Uh, for the Celtics. I'm doing well. I was down in Melbourne uh, yesterday, stayed up quite late with some mates watching uh, yes. the World Cup and, and playing some NBA 2K. So a little dusty today, but we're going to make <laughs> the best of it. Jake, uh, it. a statement win, as you said, the Celtics win 125 to 112. How did the quote, find a way to win Celtics find a way to win this one against Luca and the Mavs? Man, I love this game. I love this game. <laughs> Coming into it, I was just, I was like, you know, you kind of talk yourself into it not mattering at all. Uh, it, like if we lose this game, you know, regular season doesn't matter. Just one game. But I was, I, was, I had like proper like playoff nerves um, before this yeah. one. Luca coming to town, MVP on MVP. Um, statement win. They're kind of racking them up now between mm -hmm. Denver, Memphis, Atlanta, you know, all these little pretenders, Philly. I'm going to ignore the, the Cavs games because – where Karis LeVert, 41 points in an and one call being made on Jason Tatum's dunk for Thank winning you. those as well. <laughs> um, but man, they had, they had a playoff game plan to this one as well. It was, we're going to kind of play Luca one-on-one. We're going to switch everything, including Hauser, including Horford, going to let him go off um, and limit the assists. And they did that until late in the third. He only had one assist up until that scary comeback where I know every Celtics fan... Um, their esophagus and sphincters started to tighten up just a little bit. I wasn't uh, ruling that out until like three minutes to go in the game. No, like, right? <laughs> we're way too we're way too scarred at this point. Um, yeah, it's going to take us a while to get to get over that. I think. Um, but yeah, and then he's then the assist started to come, and that's when they started to get back in it when the ball got moving and mm -hmm. the other players started to get involved. But that was that was it. It was like playoff intensity, playoff atmosphere. And kind of a playoff game plan as well. You don't really see that too often in the regular season with such a, a focused effort on a game plan throughout an entire game. Yeah, clearly a game marked on the calendar for all involved. Nationally televised game, you know, two potential MVP candidates or two literal MVP candidates going head to head. And two teams that have had very close, uh, near traumatizing for us Celtics fans games in the past. So I think it was very much marked on the calendar for all involved. And then just from a comeback perspective from the Celtics as well, Marcus Smart was quoted after the game as saying that the Celtics lollygagged in the Bulls game. You talk to me, Jake, about some of the notable differences, even right out of the gate between the yeah. Bulls game and this Mavs game. It was 
It could, it's so different, man. The intensity, yeah. <laughs> the I mean, the, the stat I think that sums it up is the in the Mavs game, they were five for nine from three in the first quarter. And in the Bulls game, they were five for 17 in the first quarter. They were making a concerted effort to get to the rim, move the ball, get downhill. Still took it, you know, nine threes is pretty is a pretty normal amount of threes, not not too too little, not too much. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the biggest difference. Everybody was was getting downhill, putting their stamp there. They're setting the tone early. That was the biggest difference to me early. And and then the defense on the other end, um, while Luca was going off, you could tell everybody was locked in. Jalen especially, I thought. Um, really came in locked in on, on both ends. Yeah, well, one of the first trips down the court in transition and Marcus Smart, who was fantastic in this game, we'll get to in more detail in a little bit. Jalen runs the floor, backdoor cut, Smart hits him with the bounce pass, straight to the rim, and that was one of like a thousand trips to the rim for for Jalen Brown uh, in this particular game. You talked about sort of the playoff game planning and we talked about it from a defensive perspective as to what the Celtics were throwing at Luka Doncic, but on the other end, and I think after a game recently, Jason Tatum was quoted as saying, like, offensively, not a lot of play calling and things like that, but a lot of randomness, a lot of moving the ball, a lot of off-ball movement, and we saw that right out of the gate in this game, and with the Bulls game, it was the antithesis of, of that description. We saw none of that, and it was a sort of game where you could sort of tell, okay, I don't think the Celtics have it in this particular game, and sure enough, they lost it. Total opposite against the Mavs here, right out of the gate. Ball is zipping around. Players are moving off ball. There's multiple off ball actions occurring simultaneously, uh, which saw the Celtics get to the hoop, um, you know, obviously many times throughout the game. The pace of this game, I think if you could put the offensive game plan down to one thing, was just get that ball off the glass and run down the floor as quickly as you can, everyone. And uh, that seemed to put a very unathletic Luka Doncic and team... um, in the fritz, basically, uh, from the get-go. Yeah, I love I loved that quote from Tatum. The randomness, the cutting. Um, man, I've kind of, you know, I've been comparing the Jays and the Celtics to the Warriors for, for a while now. Um, we have probably the most continuity in the league outside of the Warriors at this point. I know mm-hmm. the, the Bucks are kind of up there because Giannis has been there for a while. But Drew's relatively recent. Middleton's been there for a while. But they've had, you know, turnovers around the edges. But Horford, Marcus, Jalen, Jason, these guys have have been there for so long now. Um, and especially we're getting, we're going to get to Marcus, but you know, their roles now two years in a row have been far more solidified and they're getting more comfortable with, with the, the read and react, the, the ball movement, as you said, you can really, you can really tell the continuity, I think is one of the most underrated things in the NBA with so much, you know, player movement, player, player empowerment error. It's something that you lose and something that I've always believed in for the Celtics to try and keep these guys together is, is that it has a massive impact on the regular season, trusting each other when it comes to the playoffs. Um, and, to, and to see them kind of respond the way they did, I think is a testament to, to staying together. Um, Missoula said, you're not going to play perfect every night. It's how you're going to respond the next time. And I think on the podcast last episode, we, we talked about, um, you know, they've barely lost two games in a row going back to the yeah. second half of last year. Um, the only games that you can really point out are the three that in a row they lost to the Warriors in the finals. Outside of that, it's been emphatic responses. In the playoffs, every time they lost, they came out and it was like a dominating performance. And today was absolutely no different. Yesterday. Yeah, it was really the Celtics just coming out and playing the hits. Like all those greatest yeah. hits that we've come to, to know and love over the years. And they oh, just man. put the ball on one sexy album. 
that we all can <laughs> yeah. sit around the, the campfire. Is that how you listen to albums? I don't know. It's, That's right. It's been a while since I've listened to albums <laughs> from anybody, clearly. And, uh, and enjoy these tunes played by uh, one of the greatest bands of all times, the Boston Celtics. So uh, it's good to see them all put that on, on one LP at once for our, our listening pleasure. I'm going to oh, stop man, with this they, analogy that, that's now. Such a, such a good point, man. Yeah, this is, yeah, this is um, you know, Californication. This is like some of the best <laughs> albums out there. Um, yeah, you have it all. The, the pet sounds of NBA games, I believe. Um, now we, yeah. We will get to Jason Tatum. I want to save that for sort of the MVP conversation and yeah. how this game impacted that conversation. So let's start with some of the supporting cast. Marcus Smart, the floor general. Um, a, a point that I had coming out of this game, and we'll get to sort of the specifics, but just how good it is to not have a score first point guard and that how well that supplements the Jays and what the, what they need to do to be impactful players. You know, prior to Marcus Smart as our floor general, it was Kyrie Irving and Isaiah Thomas and, and Kemba Walker. Clearly, that detracted from the Jays' potential offensively. And now, you know, Marcus Smart with his, his nine assists, we talked about the Jalen Brown backdoor cut early in the game. He also had another one of those incredibly sexy, like, drop bounce passes where he's sort of semi-posting up in the key. The three-second call is looming. Jake's running the clip here for all of our YouTube viewers. And there's that beautiful cut by oh, Jason Tatum Stop finishing it. with the reverse. And, like, that is just, like, beautiful basketball. That is, I, I don't know, how would you describe that, Jake? I love it. I love it. It it is the microcosm of everything that's happening with the Celtics, um, and the way that they talk about it in the post game. Like you can just tell how much of a focus it is, and how bored in they are to the mm-hmm. process of the ball movement. You know, Brogdon kicking it to Horford, and Tatum instantly cuts. Like he did, and he doesn't get the pass straight away, but because he's cutting and smart in the post game, is like I had my eye on JT the whole time. And sometimes I'm like, do I believe you? But then I go watch the clip, and it's like you had to have been keeping your eye on him. Because he literally is a it's a touch pass, you know, around the corner for an easy layup. Um, and in Smart says, I would have been pissed if he didn't make that cut. Or Tatum said Smart would have been pissed if I didn't make that cut. And yeah. <laughs> the fact that they're all they're all on the same page with this stuff. Like, I, I mean, I we got we got to get the stats on it. But like the amount of cuts, like points Tatum is scoring off cuts, even specifically off Smart, like it it the numbers are just going up every every single week. Um, to see Smart, yeah, to your point, like, no, nah, we don't have Kemba. Now we don't have Kyrie. Um, it's He's kind of relatively new to the point guard role in his way. Like, this mm-hmm. is the second year that he's he's had this role. And especially since he's kind of gotten a little more healthier, oh, I guess the ankle thing. But um, he had that string of, you know, t- averaging 10 plus assists and, and one turnover. And today was a continuation of that. He is the point guard of the Celtics team. And, like, he's doing a hell of a job at it. Yeah, well, shout out to people watching uh, the YouTube live stream of the show. ZGamer200 writes in the chat, in Smart's first eight games of the season, he had eight plus assists once. In the last eight games, he's had at least eight plus assists in seven of those eight games. I think maybe the outlier being the first game back where, yeah. you know, ankle, which is an ongoing issue, but the ankle was particularly uh, dodgy in uh, in that performance. In terms of what else um, made this game so exciting... They were locked in offensively and just 11 turnovers. And the Mavs, mm. they, they ranked fourth in steals in the league, Jake. And yet we managed to really uh, keep those turnovers low. I think the Jays had two each. Uh, and just generally, I don't know, like I, I don't want to hamper on too much about how locked <laughs> in offensively they were. But that was, that was really the tale, along with that sort of playoff game planning defense on, on Luka Doncic. Everyone on the court at all times were 
so cohesive and and so much moving as one single unit. It was just a beautiful sight to behold. I don't know anything to add to that, Jake. Man, when you see these guys playing like that, though, it's it's hard to not just get filled with good feelings and goosebumps. Like, you know, I got home after basketball and I'm watching the highlights. Like, yeah, man. These, this is one of those games. Like, this is, I, I think, one of the games of the season. You know, going into Thanksgiving, everybody's watching um, National. You had the Mike Breen element of it to a lot of the calls. Mm-hmm. Like, when you see them playing like this all on the same page, you, you just, you have, you have grandiose visions of, of where, of where we can go. Um, cause when they're playing like this, no one can, no one can stop them. No one can guard them. Um, yeah, man. I mean, you can't really ask for much more from, from a Celtics fan porn perspective. Can't last yeah, definitely. And you mentioned like watching the highlights I have found, and maybe this is just a, a personal thing for me that, you know, while we've been winning all of these games, not too many of them have been highlight binge worthy. Maybe mm-hmm. I've just set my own personal standard <laughs> bar to be very high. But as we were getting to the later stages of that nine-game winning streak, we've talked about it before. Yeah, they were ugly wins, and they weren't like let's let's sit down and look back and and just drool over you know how well this team put it together to get these wins. They were really ugly and like kind of uh, like I'm glad that's over so I can move on to the next one. This was one of those games where you can really sit down and just like take a bite out of the meat of this game and really just enjoy yourself there. So I'll be doing that again once we finish this podcast, yeah. Jake. Yeah, this is this is going to be top of the list for uh, the best Celtics moments kind of uh, video that, that Ben made last year, which if you haven't seen is just, man, if you're with your day off, you know, you're going to be full Thanksgiving, turkey, everything. Just rip into that. Um, Check it out. This is, yeah. 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 This is one of those moments for sure. What else in this game stood out to you? We've got obviously a few other individual performances that we can get to, Jake. You know, Malcolm Brogdon, I thought, as he's sort of starting to ramp himself back up again, I thought this was maybe his best game in his in his return, particularly late in the game where things were wavering a little bit for the Celtics. Malcolm Brogdon came in and just kind of righted the ship, which is something that we're all sort of growing to uh, or becoming to appreciate with Malcolm Brogdon. It was really good to see him get back on track here because I think he didn't look quite like himself since coming back from the hamstring injury. Even the Bulls game, like he, he, shot, he had 23 points. Um, I, would, I would almost argue that this game was, was better for him, um, more under control. He, getting to the rim and finishing, um, he looked a little more comfortable. He felt like he was trusting his body more. Um, and he had some really clutch moments. Like when the, the Mavs were making that run and the collective Celtics nation sphincter had tightened, <laughs> he had an and one to push the lead back up to 16 um, with, a, with a minute or so to go in the third quarter. And I think the Mavs did score off the back of that, but it was like end of a scoring drought. It's like, okay, we can still go where we want. We can still get to the rim. We can still take it to these guys without too much resistance. Um, it was just a very settling moment. And I think that um, that's something that he's done for us a lot this season. And to see him kind of find that role, find that comfort again. Um, it was very comforting to me personally because, mm. um, yeah, the the sweats were were kind of creeping in, and to have good old Malcolm just settle things down for us felt felt really good. Yeah, I was watching that game, that the fourth quarter at least, in the in the bar of a um, of Melbourne Airport, and I think maybe <laughs> based on how I was feeling, people were starting to sort of side eye me, being like, "What what's up with this guy? He's looking a little, <laughs> a little dicey over here." And then Malcolm Brogdon came in with that sort of calming calming influence and and settled me down, and probably all the other patrons of that bar as well. Al Horford. Five for five shooting. 
Went Man. to him early as well. Nice uh, like showing of confidence from Joe Mazzola to, yep. to run something for Horford early in the game. Any notable uh, takeaways there from Horford's performance? I mean, the big thing is the in the post game, uh, Corrales asked him, you know, set the first play of the game with you after an 0-9 night, and Al just goes, shoot or shoot, man. Hell yeah, Al. Shoot or shoot, man. <laughs> and, man, that's what he, I mean, that's kind of what he is now. Like, more than half of his shots are coming from the three-point line, um, and he's having a career best from, from the three-point line. Um, this whole team is kind of having a career best from the three-point line outside of the two best players. Um, he's just solid again. I mean, everybody got cooked by Luca here and there, but um, he's been as steady as you could ask for from Al. Um, we're, we're, we're asking too much of Al at this point, but he is he's bringing it every single night offensively, contributing to the best offense in the league. Um, yeah, I'm excited to get Rob back to kind of settle those minutes down a little bit, um, but yeah, defensively in the right spots, getting on the boards, just moving the ball. Love it. Four from four from three. Like, yeah. he, and he had that clutch three as well. The one that like in the corner kind of late, they'd cut it to 10 and he had the one that rattled out. The shooter's touch. Shooter's touch. That's shooter's right. Shooter's touch. <laughs> you love that's to see it. Like, just such a such a spicy bounce back there after you know an unfortunately terrible game against the Bulls there for Horford and I guess knowing and this um, you know you could say this for everyone on the team but knowing that the Thanksgiving break even if it is only one day was coming up for them they could all go a little bit harder in the paint so to speak we certainly yeah. saw that with our Horford and then again for Horford knowing that Time Lord his return is imminent perhaps that um, sort of uh, release or relief rather on the horizon for Al Horford knowing that that's, that's coming up he knows that he can push a little bit harder now and he'll be able to yeah. get some of that rest and recuperation later on in the season let's move on to the meat of this podcast how does this game Jake affect Ooh. the Tatum versus Luca MVP conversation man ah, this game um, this was for me kind of surreal uh, to see you know, the national televised game MVP on MVP candidate. You know, we've been following this team so closely for so long. And especially for me personally, like I kind of really start like getting deep into it kind of in the, the IT era. And so it's just been ramping up every year. And so that kind of coincided with the, with the Jays coming on board and to be so close to their development and to have so much hope and praying to the basketball gods so consistently that Tatum can get to this level. Um, and to see him finally get here is is kind of surreal because like there's there's absolutely no question that Jason Tatum is one of the best players in the league, if not this the best player in the NBA this season. And to see him finally get here was kind of had to take a step back and be like, wow. And so far as the MVP race goes, to see him kind of go against Luca one v one, hunting him on one end, yeah. And then on the other end, um, you know, Luca's trying to switch off Tatum as much as he could. Like Tatum was one of the is one of our best defenders and has been one of our best defenders in the league. Um, and Luca didn't want any of that smoke. He was switching off Tatum. And on the other end, to see that visual of Tatum, like, yeah, come over here. I'm getting to the rim anytime I want. Mm-hmm. So yeah, if you want to win the MVP, it can't hurt to take his lunch money. Down the stretch. Definitely. Yeah, an iconic play, which we'll, we'll show the clip for a little bit later, mostly because I just don't have my, my mouse uh, over the, the button for that right now. Yeah. Uh, but an iconic play and Mike Breen uh, really supplementing that with, uh, with the call on that one. I was trying to dig up some stats that would be favorable for Jason Tatum 
leading into this conversation. So my takeaway from that is that it's really a feel versus stats, like an eye test versus stats argument, because Luca just crushes it in all of the stats. And he's even really not that far behind in the majority of the defensive stats either. I think Tatum, the one notable, um, I guess, advanced metric from cleaning the glass, he is in the 94th percentile of block percentage league-wide. That's not specific to his position at all league-wide, which is incredible. And I think um, it obviously signifies just how impactful he's been on both ends of the floor. But for everything else, usage, on-off numbers, points per possession, points per play, etc. Luca is just crushing all of those. But I think that really just speaks more to, you know, obviously the role that Luca plays yes. on the Mavs versus the luxury of all of Jason Tatum's teammates that he has all, all around him. And the fact that he can take his foot off the gas and, you know, uh, for better or worse, we have seen that multiple times already this season. But in terms of feel and watching this game, like Tatum was was clearly the more impactful player. Am I am I wrong? Because again, you look at the box score, clearly Luca had more of an impact, but Tatum appeared to be much better. Yeah, I thought it was relatively obvious. Um, it's the two-way thing, like the the offensive gap. I, th- I think it's okay, and I'm I'm sorry if this, if this is blasphemy to any Celtics fans, but I think it's okay to admit that offensively Luca does have the edge on on Tatum. I just don't think the gap is that large. Um, it's 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 something we're not going to be able to answer because we don't know what Tatum would look like in a 38, 39% usage situation um, where he's just dominating the ball. Like his stats would be inflated. Like he would, like he, Tatum's assist numbers are kind of deflated just by the. The everybody eats ball movement, read and react system that the the Celtics have going here. Like he's he's just not the the point guard like Marcus is. Mm-hmm. Um, but the gap defensively is just it's astronomical. Like the fact like Tatum is an all defense level defender, whereas Luca gets hunted on the other end. Um, and you can see it in a game like this where every bucket feels really important. And to to be a guy that's kind of giving up, like Jalen was just cooking him Tatum was cooking him um and even even on that one of the the like Tatum highlight player where he goes between the legs spin moves Smitty to the rim um Luca's like the closest help defender and doesn't do anything mm-hmm. like Tatum's one of his best skills is his help defense um and that's kind of why I think his defense has been underrated because <clears throat> the average fan isn't as locked in on his nail defense and his help defense, um, but he's so good at it. And if you were to switch roles in that kind of spot, like Tatum was really close to Luca there, and Tatum's getting a hand in there, making you uncomfortable. Whereas Tatum barely even noticed that he was was there. Um, so the gap is just so large on the defensive end that I think that especially this year that I I give the edge to Tatum as the better player right now. Mm, totally, and I want to give a shout out to Sam Hauser as well. Speaking of MVP candidates, yes, <laughs> he got switched onto onto Luka Doncic a number of times, who had him posted up down low. Obviously, Luka scored on him a few times, but I feel like like it was probably an even battle, but which is it feels crazy to say between those two in that particular format. Hauser just enough Man. size, just enough quick footedness, which again feels crazy to say to to stop. Luca around 50% of the time. I haven't got the tracking data, but it felt like it was relatively successful defending Luka Doncic in the post one-on-one. So worthy of a shout out. Man, it's one of the funniest storylines of the whole year so far has been um, opposing players saying, oh, the 
I got the white shooter on me. I'm going to go at yeah. him <laughs> and and completely getting them out of the flow of their offense. Uh, I mean, Luca is Luca. Like he was hitting the same shots over Hauser that he was hitting over Marcus Smart. Um, there was one play I think. Yeah, Hauser played really good defense on him, and Marcus was on the on the bench. And Luca's pivot, 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 fade away, splash, and Marcus just shakes his head like, "Great defense, man!" Like that. You don't care who's in front of you. Luca's probably making that shot. Um, Really impressive by by Hauser. Um, and Hauser, you know, he was only one for three from three. Um, but he he's just a smart player. He's doing a little bit of everything. I have like one little clip here. Really, really simple. Just, you know, you'd think that they'd be kind of looking for Hauser to get the three. But Hauser sets the screen, gets Brogdon a wide open three, splash. He just... Love it. It's, it's, he's not just a shooter. He's setting screens to get other guys open. He's defending in space. He's getting on the defensive on the defensive boards. Um, the fact that he's kind of doing a little bit of everything and becoming like this guy's or has become this guy's constantly surprising. High basketball IQ. And we've got to, yeah. got to call it Brad Stevens. The Man. Guy, he, he saw it all before everybody. He saw it all. He knew what he was doing. He knew he was getting a 6'9 Duncan Robertson with <laughs> uh, elevated intelligence. Uh, and it's all bearing out on the court for Sam Hauser. It's good to see. I'm going to run the play now, Jake. You all know what it is. And then we're going to talk about oh. it a little bit more. Dodgers season opening goes inside. Blocked by Tatum. Jalen Brown for three. Where, where does this rank in like all-time oh, Tatum man. Brown sequences? Blocked by Tatum. Oh, it's yeah, so great right? that we got the Mike Breen on this one. Yes, and Gorman oh. did a great job as well. Like I, I saw the, the Celtics okay. replay as well. He was, he was I was great. Like, I haven't but, seen the, the Gorman one. I was thinking, I'm like, I'm sure Gorman actually uh, nailed it as well. He did. Um, where does it rank? Man. It's, got a, it's the moment of the season for me, at least Definitely. so far. Yeah. Um, let us know in the chat as well. By uh, we are can, live streaming this pod. Let us know where you think this ranks among other Jays sequences all time. Yeah, because I'm trying. I'm trying to think. Um, the one that for some whatever reason this one popped in my head. The Hornets game, like six games into last season, there was just like Tatum threw it to Jalen, and we just yammed it on Miles Bridges. Yeah, um, added the, significance now with that play as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, really out of dunked him out of the league. Um, yeah. <laughs> Hard to that's maybe, maybe that's a, a whole a whole pod there. We just got to get all of the the J to J crimes that have been committed on on the rest of the league. Um, but another thirty point uh, performance by both players, bringing them I think to sixteen. Uh, if you follow Sean Grandy, he's so good at kind of these stats and stuff. Um, sixteen, and then and he's, they're still like sixteen or so games behind uh, Shaq, Kobe, and Durant and Westbrook. But they're gonna catch. They're gonna get up there. They're gonna they're gonna get closer and closer. And it's so awesome that like they're kind of in that rarefied air. Yeah, Justin in the chat says there's a handful of playoff moments last year, but this year yeah. it's probably the best, which is absolutely fair. Uh, I recall, and because I'm particularly prone to focusing on games against the Denver Nuggets, if you if you've been <laughs> listening to this pod for a while, you understand why. There was, a, I think, a great transition play against the Nuggets in the 2021 season where it was Tatum Brown, like, behind the back pass to Brown, who slams on... I can't remember who, but it was the Richard Jefferson, like, get that baby out of the street call, <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, which was awesome. So, yeah, suffice to say, there's enough sample size now, enough data that we should get together, maybe in the All-Star break, Jake, and, uh, yeah. and run through some uh, spicy video footage 
Any negative takeaways from this game? Obviously, it was a little bit dicey there, like we mentioned in the fourth quarter when Luca notched, I think, eight assists in like half a quarter. Mm. Are there any moments or, or negative takeaways from this game that you think the Celtics can build on? Yeah, it does. It does add to the trend of them struggling to just kind of put it away this season. It's tough. They, they just went up so big and it was so obvious that they were had no chance of losing the game that the reality is, is it's just human nature and you can say you, you should you should put your, your your foot on the throat finish the game etc it's just and it is the nature of the NBA like if you watch the NBA not just the Celtics like 20 point leads get whittled down to 7 8 9 every single night um teams are just so good on offense and especially this year the offense is kind of out of control um i think part of that has to do with the take foul thing like the pace is up teams are just scoring faster on that on that night where the Celtics almost blew that lead to the Grizzlies, you know, similar to this, wasn't as big yep. of a lead, but like that same night, the Cavs blew a 14 point lead to the, to the Clippers. The, the Mavs almost blew a lead to the Nets. If Durant doesn't miss that free throw, like it, it kind of just happens. Um, and maybe it's a broader point for the league. Like once you start playing bleeding the clock basketball, it kind of gives teams this desperation and the, the confidence, the we've got nothing to lose kind of mentality. And, because it does feel like it doesn't work. Like all over the NBA, it ends up totally. like getting stressful for, for what feels like no reason. Yeah. And just, you know, the, the, another takeaway from all of that is that we weren't able to rest the starters. And one of the mm-hmm. bigger critical points of, of Missoula and the Celtics to this point in the season has been that just the crazy minute load on all starters, particularly Al Horford and, and probably Jason Tatum as well. And it would just pay dividends clearly to be able to hold that lead to the point where we could rest our guys for even half a quarter. But uh, unfortunately, wasn't the case. The only other negative takeaway I've got, and this is not news uh, by any stretch, but Joe Mazzola being a timeout cheapskate in that. (laughs) This was the first time I found myself sort of like physically bothered by the lack of timeouts because (laughs) you're dealing with Luka Doncic. You know, it's not DeMar DeRozan. It's not the Bulls. It's this Luka who probably is going to end up and his career as an all-time player, gets it to within single digits. This is a you know, maybe the Celtics killer uh, in small sample size matchup wise over the last few years. Just just call a timeout, Joe. Let's just, just talk <laughs> it over. Give us fans at home a rest as well. And I found myself really bothered in this specific case that he wasn't calling a timeout. But hey, they got the win. So I guess at the end of the day, yeah. it doesn't matter. I mean, yeah, I felt I felt the same. Like I was like, call a timeout. But at the same time, he's just not going to do it. He yeah. um, He loves it too much. He... He just and honestly, I think it's the right process. Personally, I think it's the right process. Like I forget which game it was now, but they it was like five to three, maybe even been the Bulls game, um, and it didn't help at all. Like I think the timeout thing because we're just we're more smooth brained uh, basketball analysts relative to NBA coaches. Um, they the timeouts don't help a lot of the time. Like you call a timeout and the team that's just better and on a run just continues to be better and on a run, even though. It kind of feels better in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, what game was I watching on League Pass um, the other day? Oh, it was the yeah, it was the Net Sixers game. Um, Where the oh man, just a cheeky Schadenfreude side tangent here. But man, the Please. Nets losing to <laughs> indulge the me. Nets, the Nets losing to a, a Sixers team without Harden, Maxi, and Embiid was mm, 
Chef's kiss. Yes. Like I, it, was a, it was, it was a happy either way because the Sixers or the Nets had to lose. But the, I was just, you know, hoping for the most destructive result, which was the Nets losing to a, a Sixers team without all of their good players. And Jock Vaughn called the timeout one minute into the fourth quarter. Another one, another one, and didn't help whatsoever. It's so like this idea that the timeout, timeouts. Yeah, nice call, Z gamer. It was a Bulls game. They don't actually do anything. It's just like we think that it does something. Uh, I'm sure there's a. A clinical scientific report out there that we can kind of dig into, but I, I actually don't know how much of a difference it makes. Yeah, I guess it depends on which field of science is is conducting the report. Because if it's fan psychology, then I would argue <laughs> yeah. that the timeouts absolutely to make a difference. You almost have to pause the games to simulate your own rest and uh, and timeout. But obviously, that means nothing uh, to the Celtics at all. So let's move on. The oh, also you mentioned the Schadenfreude report. To any of our new listeners on the Celtics blog feed, we have yes. a, a semi-recurring segment called the Schadenfreude report. The name basically says it all. In that we celebrate the pitfalls of our so-called rivals in the league, and it's been a pretty juicy segment so far. Yeah, this yeah, really. Jane. There's been a lot to give, a lot of content. Looking at the Lakers and the Nets, and now the Sixers. We try not. To, well, I mean, we don't. We don't celebrate injuries. I need to say that, state that clearly. But we do celebrate the subsequent losses, I suppose, yes. is a fair way to put it. Um, should we move on to the Kings game? The Kings are currently, I've got some stats here for you, some juicy stats, Jake. They're yes, ranked please. second in offensive rating, 116.8. The Celtics are first, 118.8. I believed uh, we sort of tipped the scales there thanks to that win over the Mavs yesterday. The Kings, however, have the 25th ranked defense, and the Celtics have crept up to 17th and then 9th in the league in fourth quarter defense. <laughs> Defensively, I think, is the major outlier there, the major discrepancy in that the Kings just don't have any mm. sort of defensive prowess at all. You could argue they never have, at least since 2004 or 2002, <laughs> whenever it was. Jake, how do you see this matchup going? Mm. This is going to be fun. Yeah. This is going to be fun. This is another big one. 300-point um, game. Yeah. Oh, my God. I, yeah. I, know, I, I think... I think this is probably if you're a gambler, um, one where you bet the under. Like it's gonna like it's. I just have a feeling, you know. It's like oh, best offense, best offense, gonna be super. And the line's probably gonna be super high. I haven't had a look yeah. at it yet. Um, this is gonna be interesting because the Celtics clearly, you know, got up for the Mavs game. They circled it on their calendar. Are they going to be hearing the other best offense in the league come into town? We have the best offense. Um, they still keep talking about how they're a defensive team. Um, we yet to see that come to fruition consistently, at least. But yeah, I'm I'm excited to see what happens. I know you know Sabonis has kind of given us some trouble in the past. Really good player. Um, they're really good and really fun offensively. It's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how we hang. I, I would like to see us crank it up a little bit here, just because I think that's gonna be, as you said, be the difference in the game. Can we just get a few stops? Because the offense is gonna be absolutely no problem like there is just no resistance anywhere there's no rim protection there's no perimeter defense like Davion Mitchell he's probably he's their best defender mm-hmm. um and that's great but you have a six foot four or five guys your best defender um Drew Holiday can't guard Jalen and Jason so um as good of a defender as Davion Mitchell is it's going to be absolutely no problem for Jalen and Jason get into the rim so just, just get a couple of stops and we should be able to come away with the win here yeah, I feel pretty confident going into this one as well. And no surprise that motivation would be a major factor for a player as young as well, as both both players, as, as the Jays, Tatum and Brown. But the fact that they're 
so close in offensive rating, these two teams. Mm. You wonder if the Celtics are going to use that as as fuel for the fire to come out and just like lay the smack down on the Kings. So, And one thing to give us a little extra confidence, the, the Kings are just on like a, their East Coast road trip. They had like a back-to-back against the... Wow, well, they lost to the Hawks in the back-to-back. That's right. And they played a tight one against the Grizzlies in the night before, which they won, where Jai had like 34. So they are on a road trip. So we're kind of, and they've had a couple of tight ones back-to-back. Now they come to Boston. Um, So it is a good time for us to be catching the Kings and hopefully start the next nine-game winning streak. Well, yeah, and this is game two of a six-game homestand for the Celtics. So the Kings and then uh, Wizards, Hornets, and then the Heat twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is going to be interesting. And all extremely winnable games, as well as this Kings game. So you talk about the second streak already having begun with this Mavs win. Uh, yeah. It looks like that could very well be the case. Moving on, and to, to wrap up here, Jake, you have devised <laughs> a very spicy segment for us. Uh, tell us more. Okay, so the Celtics have been so good in part because of their depth. Um, it's kind of been an embarrassment of riches. Um, and so I thought it would be fun to try and kind of rank... Um, the, the level of luxury each of these players has down to how integral they are to the team. Like, so which one could we live the most with without and which one could we live the least without? Um, I think we all agree that the most important players when healthy are Jalen, Jason, Marcus, Al, and Rob when he comes back, our top five, um, which leaves Derek, Malcolm, Grant, and House Money. We could throw Pritchard in there, but I didn't just because like, when the team's healthy, he's actually he's not playing at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but that honestly speaks to the depth of this team as well because he's kind of the first one off the ranks. We literally he he's so much of a luxury that we don't even need to play him when we're healthy, which is kind of insane. The fact that that's a thing, even with that rub. So I'm thinking we go from most luxurious, like you know, you're on like a, most you're expendable, on a, most expendable. Mm-hmm. Like you know, we're we're in Bali. Do we you know we've had. A massage? Do we need the extra cocktail? Like, what is? Well, you know, we're gonna have a great day regardless of whether or not we have this last little piece. Um, Outlier of the friend group. Yes, yeah. Most expendable. This is tough because I genuinely love them all. (laughs) Looking at the names now, I think I have to go. People are gonna log off the stream as soon as I say this and close the podcast. (laughs) I think I have to say Sam Hauser. Yeah, I do think it's Sam Hauser. Right? Unfortunately, yeah. which just which just hammers home the point of this whole segment is it really is an embarrassment of riches. <laughs> but if you look at you know White, Brogdon, Grant Williams, it's just you know Sam Houses the first to go. It just is what it is, even though he's incredible. Yeah, I think you know when you talk about playoffs and trying to win a championship, I'm not sure how much Houser is going to be playing in a finals matchup against the Warriors, um, for example, but. He's perfect for the regular season. Uh, I do think he's going to be able to hold up in you know several playoff matchups, but mm-hmm. um, you know you're you're going against Giannis and some of the best players in the in the league for a whole series. I think um, yeah, Houses minutes probably get scaled back just a little bit just because we're going to need to fall back more on guys that can play defense at a slightly higher level. Yeah. yeah, and like during the later stretches of a playoff game or series, like you can sub Hauser like in and out, yeah. sort of like in an offensive offense defense rotation there. So not completely useless in the playoffs, and and no more or less than Danilo Gallinari as well. Except that Gallo has his own amazing theme song, so something that we need to work oh. on for Hauser during the season. All right, I believe you've got the next pick there, Jake. And don't remind me that we haven't been able to enjoy that 
Italian stallion hey, video. It's can, worked out okay. We can put it okay. on any time you want, man. I'm, I'm happy to put it on any, any day, any day of the week. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I got to get it, play it enough so it ends up on my Spotify wrapped. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so this, this is where it gets interesting, I think, because now it's Brogdon, Derek, or Grant. Um, I personally think that it's Brogdon. Oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Say more. I mean- I've just, it, this is more about how I feel about Derek White, who I'm in love with, than anything else. I, I thought but, you were um, going to protect Derek White at all costs, and yeah. it looks like I'm right. <laughs> um, I think we kind of saw it a little bit. Brogdon went out for, what, four or five games there? Um, I think Derek White is just like the ultimate insurance policy. So I, I, I think that um, you want to make sure you have him um, if possible. Like, you know, you're on that trip to Bali. You got to make sure you got Derek White, but so Brogdon- Essential crew member. Exactly right. <laughs> and and so Brogdon, like, oh, again, it just speaks to how deep this, this team is where I, I, I personally would feel more comfortable if um, we lost Brogdon versus Derek because I think that he would be able to run the point, like be the point guard for the team more so than Brogdon is. I think he's more of a score first and his scoring gravity leads to him being able to make, so he's you know, a good playmaker as well, but that's that's kind of how he gets his assists. Mm-hmm. And also, yeah, the injury prone thing, good call by Justin Chapin here in the chat. Um, yeah, and, and defensively, Derek's better as well. So I think um, as amazing as Brogdon is and as much as I need him to win six man of the year to win some tasty cheddar, uh, I think he's my next pick. Well, you're going to hate this, but the next branch I'm chopping off the tree is Derek White. Uh, okay. And that leaves him on the scrap heap for you to claim, which is great, I, I guess. I don't <laughs> know how like how far we can go into this fictional draft world, but mostly looking at the big rotation mm. or lack thereof and factor in the shooting off the bench as well, You know, obviously leaving Grant Williams on the squad in this case. I, I just think that what Grant Williams offers holistically and I suppose I'm thinking like through the lens of a playoff season as well he offers defense switching shooting he's got that um closing uh driving off closeouts as well element to his game now as well just sort of end to end you're looking at sort of skills that you can add throughout the course of a playoff game or a playoff series it hurts to say because Derek White can offer so much in his own right but I just think Grant is necessary given the makeup of our roster and the injury proneness of um, of the Celtics. Yes. Yeah, so interestingly, as much as I talked up Derek White, Grant was also my least luxurious and most integral piece. I think you need him, and almost can you can almost just boil it down straight to Giannis. It's like we need Grant for Giannis. You're going to be in the Eastern Conference. You're going to have to have people that can deal with Giannis um and Al Horford is plenty capable um on any given possession but to throw Al Horford to the Wolves uh for a full playoff series on Giannis would just be um an unfair task for us to ask of him so I think Grant is actually the right choice as well because I think the the defensive versatility he can we need the size the front court rotation Mm -hmm. um yeah, I'm with you. I know, surprise, but yeah, I, I agree. I agree. As um, as much as I've fallen deeply in love with Derek, so we're calling it then. Grant Williams is the most valuable role player, the MVRP of the Celtics. 
It's official. I think so. Oh, yeah. wow. That's just... Hashtag growing in the game, baby. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to get Gil back on to, yeah. uh, to really sort of flesh through that point. That's interesting. Great little segment there, Jake. I, I, Thank it's you. Almost, it's great, but it's also <laughs> a little bit torturous in that it's like being asked to choose yeah. between your favorite children or something like that. Let's never do that for the starters, please, because <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I, no, no, I no. can't take it. Uh, Spoonie in the chat, shout out Wayne Spoonie says, I'd take Grant over Brogdon or White, given we need people to stop Giannis. Absolutely. Yeah. Another good point. Jake, we're about to wrap up. Obviously, I almost want to hang for longer because it was just so, it was oh, so man. satisfying to defeat Luca. not that we had anything to do with it, in, in such a fashion. Any other final takeaways or, or remarks from this game before we wrap up? No, man. Just, just feeling good. Love where this team is going. Um, it's, all, it's everything that Brad Stevens ever wanted from these guys. Not too high, not too low. Process over results. Kaizen. Um, responding to, to bad performances. Moving the ball, read and react. Beautiful. Beautiful. Absolutely. Let's leave it there. That is going to do it for this one. Thank you so much for joining us. We've got the Green with Envy guys back with another pod on the Celtics blog feed on Monday. We'll be back midweek sometime. In the meantime, you can check out our YouTube channel. Thanks to everyone who's in the chat now and for saying hello during the podcast. The link for the channel is going to be in the description as well as our link for our Twitter profile, uh, Instagram, TikTok, etc. We're all over social media. It's been great. And of course, check out Celtics blog if somehow you're not already currently chock full of excellent post-game write-ups. Jake Eisenberg, love your work, mate. Thanks again. Thanks, mate. Let's do it again. All right. Until next time, go Celtics. (laughs) 